Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Daily Thread. Nice to see you again. Yes. How are you feeling? I'm feeling fine. Yeah. Much better, yeah. Feeling okay? Okay, good. Barks yeah, you know, out. stuff's flying around and, uh, you know, you catch a little bit of bug here and there, but uh, you have to just uh, gut it out. Okay. So, um, I don't even have my phone on me. So oh, I don't my God. How are we going to do this? You oh, know. Right there. Uh, got it. Got my phone. Okay. So, uh Really, first of all, let's 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 do what we do first. Let's go ahead and dive into the inbox because a lot of feedback came overnight, and we want to make sure that we're reading these messages. Okay, this message is from someone um, in Muncie. I just listened to your podcast. I look forward to it every day. So about women in Judaism, I don't get why women should feel like second class. I really think they must have seen that growing up. I grew up seeing my father adore and cherish my mother. He still does, Baruch Hashem. My brothers, the same to their wives. My husband makes me feel like the most important part of our family unit, and he expresses that to our children and all the people, all the time. The people who complain are the ones who are unhappy in general and spread their unhappiness. I'm not by any means yeshivish, and it doesn't bother me that women aren't in magazines. And about chocolate pudding, the next time your parents go to Dean, go to Dini and Muncie, our daughter, yeah, your daughter, not mine, my daughter, your sister, my sister, I'll send some over. Oh, listen, you know, I don't know why people are making a big deal out of chocolate pudding, you know? I, I think it everyone was, just uh, wants you, know, you to get uh, your pudding. Let, let me just say, uh, from that chocolate pudding from when I was a very young kid, you learned a lot in life about that chocolate pudding. First of all, it was Thursday nights usually, and, and it was very little cup. It was like a green <laughs> glass cup. Okay, and like chocolate underneath and like a shell on top, okay? And it was never enough. It was very little. So you learned a lot about life, about the good things in life. Uh, you know, they're very good, uh, but uh, you have to make them last longer. Lessons from chocolate pudding. That's right. Listen, they can learn from everything uh, that happens in life. And now that we brought that up after 50 years or maybe yeah. more. Uh, <laughs> Bring it back. Yeah. Feedback. Another message. Woman in the from world. Let's look into Torah. What does Hashem say the role of Abbas Melech is? The idea that we are second class is is influenced by society and not by the Torah, not, not by the Torah perspective. If a boss Melech truly knows her tafkid in this world and is settled inside with true she wouldn't feel that way. So um, that's that's the public's that's the pulse of the public when it comes to that topic. Um, but as we go forward, we're going to speak about something else, something very interesting. I, you know, maybe people like sports, and maybe the women who are listening don't like sports. Maybe they do, but no. it's not even a story about sports I'm about to bring up. It's something. It's something just funny that happened last night. Um, okay. Obviously, everyone in, in New York, at least, knows Aaron Judge. Um, probably out of out of New York, also, he's one of the best baseball players in the world. He was the American League MVP. He hit you know the most home runs last 62, year, 62 62 home runs. Yeah. he's an all around great ball player, great outfielder, great yeah. arm. And his nickname last night became Arson Judge. Arson, Arson Judge, because he lit Twitter on fire. Ooh, okay. what happened? So. We're in the midst of the Aaron Judge sweepstakes. Who is which team he's going to go to? He he failed to sign a contract with the Yankees last year before the season, the, an extension. So it was open season. He could have gone to any team. So Aaron Judge um, was rumored by a baseball reporter. His name is John Heyman. He tweeted, "Aaron Judge seems to be headed to the San Francisco Giants." Hmm. And let me tell you, Twitter exploded. Tens of thousands of tweets within minutes retweeted. Millions of people saw it. And just five minutes later, John Heyman took down that tweet, <laughs> and he re and he replied to it saying, "Hey, sorry guys, I think I jumped the gun. The Giants have not yet heard from Aaron Judge." Well, that wouldn't have been a popular move for the Yankees. They had to sign him, and as you know, they signed him. It was reported earlier this morning, I think. Right? They signed him for three hundred and sixty million dollars. Nine, nine years. years. That's forty million dollars a year. That's pretty good. 
That's uh, seven hundred sixty-nine thousand dollars a week. A week, okay. So in case you wanted before taxes. Yeah, but what's course. that? You know what? San Francisco, the taxes are a lot worse, probably. Well, you know, um, Aaron Judge gives the announcers and the sportscasters and the play-by-play announcers, especially in New York, and especially because there are so many Jewish Yankee fans, it gives them uh, extra meaning uh, when he hits a home run. Uh, John Sterling, who's the Yankee announcer, says, all rise. Here comes the judge. Yeah. Then around Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, it's judgment day. You know, if he hits yeah. a home run between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the back uh, page of the post is going to say judgment day. You know, San Francisco, very, very few people are going to get it. Right. So he, uh, but he needs to be in New York. So, so Aaron Judge obviously is in New York. But can you, <laughs> I just want to let everyone know, John Heyman, this MLB, this reporter in the MLB, is getting killed online because the Giant fans were were so happy. They right. heard Aaron Judge is going to the Giants, and then just hours later, it's reported that he is not going to the Giants. And that's like the worst nightmare for a reporter. You know what they say? You don't want to be the one that gets it first. You want to be the one that gets it right. Um, well, John Heyman was first and wrong. So there's a, there's a big sweepstakes going on out there for major league uh, ball plays in general, especially baseball at this time of year. And um, I remember, uh, um, I guess it was in the 1960s, the late 1960s, when Sandy Koufax, who we discussed in this program yeah. before, uh, signed to the f- a ball player find his first one hundred thousand dollar contract. That was a lot of money in the 1960s. It may even be comparable to what Aaron Judge signed last night. But that was big news. You know, ball players didn't make uh, the kind of money that they make today. Although they say that in 1929, when there was a depression and everybody lost everything, uh, Babe Ruth was paying then was playing then, and they say Babe Ruth, Herbert Hoover was the president when all the markets crashed and people were jumping out of buildings because they were doing so poorly. Uh, and they asked Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth was making. Uh, he was being paid $100,000 then. And the president of the United States, Hoover, was being paid $80,000 then. Mm. And they said to him at a news conference, uh, Mr. Ruth, how do you feel making more money than the president of the United States? And he said, well, I had a better year than him. Uh, that's a good line. That's a good line. But listen, what, what don't you think? It's, an, it's interesting because people are like, wow, these baseball players get paid so much money. And there are important jobs in the world that... People aren't getting paid. Like teachers, the highest paid teacher is not getting anywhere near what what the lo- probably the lowest level baseball player is receiving. But don't you think it's like maybe with our with Colalim, we should adopt this system that the person who's like best in Cola that year gets like a to a long term contract. Yeah, like I want to see like a Shmuel Schiffenbauer getting like a oh, I know six the year Schiffenbauers. Oh, let's use a different name. I want to see like uh, Janko Lichtenstein getting oh, okay. getting a, a six-year uh, $850,000 contract. Why? He answered the most cautious this year. He was he knew the run, the Ritfa, the rush, the Tysvis. He knew a cold and he's getting a long-term well, contract. You don't think it should go like that? I don't, I don't mean to mix two different subjects in, but it's already being done. You know, if you find the, uh, if you get the right shidduch. Oh gosh, here we go again. <laughs> you get a lifetime contract. Forget about, forget about how much you score. <laughs> forget about how, how, much, how many home runs you hit or how many rush. That's you just know. a terrible way to look at things though. No, but I'm not, you're, you're talking about some kind of dream for the future. I'm telling you the reality. I'm saying if we today. can have the same value system for our people who are sitting and learning all day as, as the, as the society has for baseball players, let's like, but you know what? Maybe it does happen in a way. If you're, if you're like a really talented you know, call call younger light. You can get a really good rough a job. Man, a younger man. Younger man. Yes. You can get man. a you can get a really good job as a rough and and but like that's what I'm thinking. Like, 
There's, well, there, there are no maybe there should be a draft, a draft at a kolel for for shuls to draft rabbanim. Well, um, and yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a, it's a good idea, but it's not going to happen. First of all, uh, professional ball players are they're entertainers, you know, more than anything else. They're in the okay. entertainment business. They put fifty thousand people in the seats. That's how you, uh, you know, you think judge is being uh, judged by uh, oh, the by how many home runs he hits. Um, of course, he is too. But uh, the accountants, the cost accountants that work for the Yankees, how many how many seats do they sell? How many bodies he puts in those? Also, seats. how many jerseys does he sell? <laughs> how much merch does he sell? Right? Yeah. In the, in the gift shop, the uh, the jerseys and the hats and the and the, the signed baseball. Well, it's hats. one and the same. It's because he's hitting all those home runs. When he was on the cusp on the, the cusp of hitting sixty two home runs. It, the seats were filling up, so it's all really hand in hand. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. I I have hope. I hope. I have hope for our teachers, our abayim, our moras to to maybe be in that system where you know you want a bonus system, huh? A bonus system. This teacher uh, did so well this year, and they're getting a signing bonus. Well, you know, a teacher will tell you. Anyone in education will tell you that they derive their satisfaction. They don't do it for the money. From something. Uh, no, they have to make a living, of course. But yeah. they derive their satisfaction and their fulfillment. I believe from something greater than, uh, you know, how much they get paid in the course of the year. And they really are building future generations. Speaking about building future generations, this story comes from Yeshiva World. And Achnasa Sefer Torah in minus 18 degree cold weather. In what perhaps was the coldest Achnasa Sefer Torah in the history, Jews gathered, gathered last week in Novosibirsk, a Siberian city in southern Russia, to rejoice with a new Torah. The festive event began with Rav Schneir Zalman Zaklos, the chief rabbi of Novosibirsk. I'm going to pronounce that wrong. It's fine. Um, afterwards, despite it being minus 18 degrees Fahrenheit, the members of the Kahila took to the frosty streets, warming to, warming themselves up by singing and dancing until they arrived at the base Menachem Shul. The new Sefer Torah was donated by Mr. Michael Hanan in memory of his father, Yaakov Hanan, who was the main contractor for the city's base Menachem Shul. So what's I'll show a picture. What's they, the they don't even look that cold. I feel like I look colder walking oh, to Shul when oh, it's 30 degrees. What's the, name of the, what's the name of the shliach there? The name of the shliach is... I'm just wondering... Schneier. Zalman Zaklos. He's the Zaklos. chief rabbi of Novosibirsk. Uh -huh. I wonder if that's uh -huh. the Shliach. He's probably Israeli or, or he's from Russia, maybe. It's, you know, it's interesting. Our, um, people that we know in our family, their Shliach is usually in California or Florida, <laughs> Arizona. How do these, guys up, these guys end up in Siberia? <laughs> yeah, well, we have, we have, we have Chaim Brook. Chaim yeah, he's, he's, he's in Montana. He's, a, he's on the front lines in Montana. But, but Siberia is pretty. Yeah, yeah. You really, you really don't. Yeah, Shluchim in Mauritius. Shout out to, Listen, to my friend over there. If, you don't, if you're in Siberia, it's because you don't know anybody. <laughs> <laughs> right? You don't have any pull. But minus 18 degrees, I can't say Torah. Shout out oh, to them. Sacramento's nice. Woodland Hills, Encino. These are nice places. Are they? Like you said, Boca, Miami, Carl Springs. So if you're looking to if you're looking to be a shliach, maybe... Kol Nachi. Kol Nachi. Maybe we'll send you, you. I'll either send you to Siberia or... I'll send, I don't or, know. Or Sacramento. Or Sacramento. Um, a couple of days ago was the art site of, of someone who played a huge role in both of our lives. His name is Rabbi Yaakov Nyman. Um, we right. grew up davening Rabbi Nyman Shul in Sutton Park. And um, I, I, I see Rabbi Nyman as sort of, he was like the last Rav in this community who was really connected to the, to the previous generation. Absolutely. Post-Holocaust. He did not speak a word of English. Really, not a lot. <laughs> yeah. I put on tefillin in yeah, Rabbi sure. Nyman's shul. He helped me put on tefillin. And uh, I think it's been 10 years. 10, 10 years? Makes um, sense? I, th I, th I, th I spoke to one of his grandsons. I think it's a little more. 14 years? Is it 14 I, already? Wow, I think maybe we skipped years. a couple of years. I heard it was 11 or 12. Yeah. You know, Rabbi Nyman used to get up and speak, especially Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur time. He spoke and very infrequently. And, the, and the, shul would, the shul would just sit there, and 
and I had no clue what he was saying because it was right. all in Yiddish. Right. But just seeing someone, he, yeah. he had this, he had like this Avram Avinu face, like this angelic old face with a white beard, and he was very f- small. And he just was such a, it was a look of yesteryear. He had a presence. He had a presence. And yeah. when, when you were in yeshiva, I used to go there to Davin in the morning. You had an eight o'clock menu. Uh, I, I hate to break this to you, but I used to go with you because I never made Davin in you yeshiva. Made yeshiva. Maybe I took you to yeshiva after the menu. You did. Uh, sometimes so I, I literally went with you to that shul every single we morning. Have to have, we have to have an episode one of these days about carpool. About carpool, yeah, I think we're having it right now. Carpools Does your you. kid make the bus? <laughs> um, but Rabbi Nyman lived till he was a hundred, really, uh, 11, 12 years ago, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, and um, I, I remember very clearly on his ninety seventh birthday after Shachris one morning, I went over to him and I asked him, "What do you uh, attribute your longevity to? You know, what's 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 the what's the key? What's the What's the what's the, the secret sauce? What's the wisdom behind behind living to ninety seven in those days? And he left lived a few more years. And he thought for a second. He said to me, "You have to make sure people need you. Hmm. If you make sure people need you, God's going to be good to you and give you and give you years." And that's why he had the years the years that he had. I guess people uh, needed him. We needed him. That's great advice for people. Become needed. Yeah. Do something that the world can Make sure can't you exist. do something that uh, doesn't antagonize people or turn them off, <laughs> but makes them, uh, whatever it is that you're uh, doing for them or providing them with, more. Yeah. You know? I actually, I, I remember vividly, and I took a picture. Um, I don't know if it was on phone or it was one of those cameras, those wind-up ones. Polaroids, what's it called? Yeah, well, it's an instant instant picture. So I don't know. I don't, one of those, you wind it up. It was many disposable years disposable camera. I think it was the last. It was Birchas Achama, right? So yeah, it was Birchas Achama, which uh, happens once every twenty-seven years. It is twenty-seven. Once every twenty-seven years. Yeah, you looked it up. I know it's once every twenty-seven okay, years. Okay, if you say so. And uh, the last Birchas Achama that was, was twenty-seven years ago. Oh, if you were no. there, you was you were zero years old. No, it happened like it happened. It must have happened like 16, 16 17 years ago. Okay, possibly. so we have another ten years to go for the next one. Um. Every 28, Every 28 years? years? I was pretty close. Yeah, very good. I was pretty close, no? Yeah, absolutely. It's close is good enough. Close is good enough. But, uh, so yeah, I, I had a, taken a picture of Rabbi, of Rabbi Nyman doing Berch's Chama, which you know, I really today, would wish um, I could find. Today, uh, you're looking for it now? I'm not. It's not on uh, this phone. Today, by the way, is December 7th. It's the birthday of my uh, grandfather, oh. uh, Aaron Berger, my mother's father. Mother's, mother's father. I was thinking about it last night. Um, uh, How old would he be right now? Uh, he would be 136. If he was still alive today, um, <laughs> he was born in, uh, I think he was born in 1886. Wow. Someone had to be born in 1886. How did it feel for you, Not everybody though? was born in 1995. I know, but how did it feel for you that, like, he was he was alive while you were alive, well, obviously, you know, and your grandfather was born in, 18, in the 1800s. That's right. All my, grand, all my grandparents were born in the 1800s. That's crazy. And there was a period there when I had a very special privilege of having... Four grandparents. Anybody from the seventeen late seventeen uh, hundreds? No, no seventeen hundreds. Why? Maybe they were with Columbus in fourteen ninety two. No, I'm saying what? Maybe you had a? Did you have a? Did you have a great grandparent that was born like seventeen ninety nine or something? Uh, no, ma- yeah, maybe a great great grandparent. Not when you were alive. <laughs> I don't know. Just he, how do you do in the math? Eighteen. Regions? Not so good, huh? Not so good. Anyway, today one second. Eighteen eighty six. He was born, right? right? Your grandfather. Right. Eighty six years prior, his father. Your great grandfather, your your great grandfather, right. must have been born in the 1700s. Right, that's right. That's why, right. Why is everyone like? Why am I? That's not no, crazy. You want, to, you want to know if I knew them? That's what you're asking. Did you? No. 
<laughs> did you know of them? Did you know them? No, I. Did I you did, see any pictures I, of I them? Know, I'll tell you what I know. I know they called, any drawings. I know when they called my grandfather up to the Torah, it was Aaron Breb Yosef. So you knew his name was Yosef. I know his name was Yosef. But you, you didn't add. And I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something else about Yosef Berger. Yeah. He lived till 103. Wow, got good he died genes. in 1957. I remember that. That means he was born in one 18, second. One he was second. Born in 1854. Okay, so your great grandfather was Yosef Berger, right? Born in 1854, right? His father was born in could be in 1799. I don't know. It was definitely before. Okay, no, 54. Yeah, he could have been born in 1820. Also, you know. Anyway, but so today's also Pearl Harbor Day. But it's also uh, uh, the day the Japanese, a day that uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, a day that will live in infamy. And the Japanese Air Force attacked Pearl Harbor, uh, and they weren't ready for the attack, and it was a great, immense loss of loss of life. So I always remember December seventh for those two things: Pearl Harbor, and uh, my my grandfather's birthday. And uh, he lived till uh, 1975. 1975. Yeah. Wow. So um, I knew him as a as a young kid, and we spent a lot of time in his house, and my grandmother's house, and they were really part of our upbringing because, uh, as I've written about, uh, my parents used to uh, starting in 1963. My parents went to Israel every summer for six seven weeks, and they oh, wow. uh, uh, left us, me and my younger brother Yossi, with my with my grandparents. Hmm. So you know that was shout out to Yossi. It was memorable, uh, also traumatic. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but Baruch Hashem. Uh, they're v- excellent, excellent uh, memories. Very warm memories. Very fond memories. What else you got there? So we have Doug Emoff, who is um, having a roundtable with Jewish groups today. He's a second gentleman. He is the second he is. gentleman. Doug Emoff, the, the husband of, of good old Kamala. 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 Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, who, for those who don't know, is the vice president, believe it or not. Um, and Doug Emoff, her husband, is Jewish, supposedly. Yes, he is Jewish. He's he a full blown Jew. What? He's a full blown Jew. Um, I don't know. He uh, he's claiming to be claims to be Jewish. He has a Jewish name. He's, he's claiming to be Jewish. I don't know what his genealogy is is actually about, but mm. uh, you never knows these days. You know, that's one of the big uh, fights. By the way, you want to go deeper into Emhoff because one of the big arguments in Israel today between the religious parties and Netanyahu is um, who's Jewish. Whether they count. Up until now, they've been counting. If you had any Jewish grandparent, you counted as a Jew, even if it's a grandfather. Even if it's a grandfather, that's problematic. Now the the rights, the rights that people voted in, they would like to change that. They've been warned by the by the American Jewish community, by leaders in the American Jewish community, not to tamper with it. Don't mess around with it. Leave it alone. Sometimes it is what it is. Sometimes you got to leave it alone uh, because it uh, will cause a big uh, big stir and uh, a big problem potentially. I'll tell you something else also, as long as we're on the subject of Israel, I was just reading while I was waiting for you, that American Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, was a speaker at uh, J Street. You know what J Street is? No. J Street is like uh, a liberal version of APAC, American Israel uh, Public Affairs Committee. Uh, And so J Street's very liberal, pro-two-state solution, uh, pro-Palestinian state, uh, very anti-religious in many ways. And believe it or not, the Secretary of State uh, of the United States who claims to be Jewish, by the way, because his father's a Jew, by mm. the way, just uh, on the same subject. Um, I don't know about his mother. Uh, but one of the things he said in his speech to J Street, he warned Israel. What do you think he warned them about? Don't change the policy on the Temple Mount. Do not allow Jewish prayer on the Temple Mount. That's what they're worried about. They're worried that some Jews are going to go up to the Harbais and they're going to daven. And that's going to uh, bring the world to a screeching halt. That's mm. what, that's what, 
That's what the Secretary of State, the number one foreign service uh, uh, officer of the United States of America, is concerned about. Well, shame on you. And uh, as we wrap up this episode, this just in from Balaz News. The number one richest person in the world, a family, well, Elon Musk, has just taken a second place. Two. Bernard Arnold and family. Hmm. At $185.4 billion, uh, Elon Musk, obviously from Tesla, SpaceX, now Twitter, is $185.3 billion. Well, he just number four on that list is Jeff Bezos is $111.5 billion. Mm-hmm. And Warren Buffett is number five at $107.0 billion. Uh, number uh, three is Gautam Adani, who's at $134 billion. Didn't Musk have like over $200 billion? Till he I bought, thought Reckonance uh, was number one. Till what? Until he, he bought, um, till he bought uh, Twitter. He spent $44 billion on Twitter. I don't know, maybe. I mean, I know there was financing involved uh, and so on. Uh, speaking of Elon Musk, you know, he was in the running to be the Time Magazine Man of the Year. Yeah, but guess who became the Time Magazine Man of the Year this morning? I'm bringing it up because I know who became the Time Magazine. Yeah, who uh, became the Time Magazine? Vladimir Zelensky. Really interesting, no? I don't know. I think uh, I think Elon Musk is uh, would have deserved it, I think. Uh, really? Instead of uh, instead of Zelensky. I mean, Zelensky, I mean, they're getting they're getting beaten to a pulp. Uh, by the Russian military, uh, the the country is in in tatters, but they never have so much money in their life. Person of the year, They're getting uh, ten. You saw that? Time. You saw that? You saw that meme that's going around? Um, it's actually pretty funny. I want to show it over here, uh, but there's a meme going around that. Um, one second. There's a meme going around. I'll put it on the screen. It shows. Uh, U.S. Department of Defense, $2.2 trillion missing. The government, hold. FTX, $10 billion missing. Hold. $20 billion missing in Ukraine. Hold. Your $601 transaction on Venmo, now. <laughs> Go get them. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, now we know anything over $600 on Zelle, on Venmo, is going to become taxable. Be There's $20 billion missing in Ukraine. No, FTX, $10 billion. One, one of the things the administration, the Biden administration is concerned about, that when the Republicans take over the House, they're going to do oversight. They're going to want an accounting. It's a lot of money. Where did the money go? I know where the money went. I know where the money Hunter? went. Hunter? Hunter, Zelensky, and Joe. Uh, it's in their accounts. The so big three. All they have to do is look, in their, look check the deposit slips. Maybe we can head into Chase Bank right now and check it Maybe out. Maybe they're in Chase. Maybe they have their own bank. Maybe. Well, if you want to hear more news and stories throughout today, go ahead and follow the Daily Thread on Instagram or go ahead and sign up for our WhatsApp account. We have statuses throughout the day, exclusive stories, comments, thoughts, ideas. The link in, is in the show notes in the description. Hit that link. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating, a review, and share it with your friends. Any final words for today? Um, it's a great show uh, once again, and looking forward to uh, more tomorrow. All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Adios. 